0: Joe David Wilson has graduated from this life. Going forward, we will continue to honor his legacy, knowledge, and love of thy Lord by continuing to play sermons pre-recorded prior to his graduation. We invite you to honor his memory by attending worship services or joining us online for a further Bible study.
1: Welcome to In Search of the Mind of God. We invite you to search with us the mind of God. Searching His mind, we can always be sure our salvation will not be based on man's ideas or false feelings. It will never be our purpose to promote any denominational doctrine of any religious group. Man is fallible. God is not. This program is brought to you by the Port St. Lucie Church of Christ, 384 East Midway Road, White City, Florida. Bible study courses, and personal teaching are available. We purpose to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified.
2: The Holy Spirit and inspiration is a key thing that is taught in the New Testament. As the Holy Spirit involves Himself in the realm of the message of the mystery of the gospel, There are some people that don't even know what the mystery is. The mystery is a great theme. It is that which was preached in the first century. It is that which is preached in the 20th century. The mystery is God in man, making man like God. And because of that, we don't understand the message a lot of times that is given us in the scriptures. If you turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians, the second chapter... The Apostle Paul, as he was inspired by the Spirit of God, directed us to a a real buffet of religious instruction that will help us to comprehend and understand a lot of things. I hath not seen, verse 9, ear hath not heard. Neither hath it entered into the heart of man what God hath in store for them that love him. But God hath revealed them that that he hath given. He has revealed them unto us, his apostles, by his Spirit. That is he whom we refer to as the Holy Spirit. For the Holy Spirit searcheth all things. As you know, if you've studied, the Spirit is that which searches the hearts of the child of God in prayer. He searcheth all things, and yea, even the deep things of God. He goes beyond the uh, periphery. He goes into the depth, and uh, there used to be some old brothers that used to pray, and I thought it was such a good way to phrase it, and they would pray, Lord, let us down into the deep recesses of thy mind. There's a lot of people that don't even consider that the Lord has a recess, (laughs) Are depths below the surface. Nor do they understand that there's a deep recess. And we can get below that. But anyway. Here we have the spirit that searcheth the deep recesses of the mind of God. Yea, the deep things of God. Those deep are not those which you can get on the outside. You can get in a shallow cursory overlooking without a lot of instruction. For what man knoweth the things of man save the spirit which is in him? Now the spirit is the soul and the spirit that involves the two parts of man which came from God. As we know, every one of us have had two fathers in birth. There's the father of the flesh and the father of the spirit. And the father of the spirit, of course, is Christ. The father from whom are all things and by whom are all things. When he brought many sons into glory, he allowed us to understand. That's in Hebrews 2 and 12 and 13. We understand that this is Christ, and so this is the Father of the spirits. And uh, for who knoweth the things of man save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now, the revelation, as we're talking about, is what we call today the Bible The Bible is here. No man can deny its literary literary reality. How it came here and what it is, I have to say that most times by listening to people, you can see that they don't understand. It's real hard when a person has used a tool for 40 or 50 years, when they pick it up and you can see by the way they handle it, they don't know what that tool is all about. I, uh, I keep being astonished by computers and this modern-day stuff that they've got. These things just blow my mind. Because of that, I respect them and have a lot more uh, concern uh, for them than children who are raised with them, who make it a part of their second nature. And frankly, their second nature works a whole lot better for them than my respect does for me when we're talking about computers But the things of God can only be given by revelation. They cannot be given by feeling or insight or concern. And as the Spirit gives the revelation, it has to have a spirit to which it can communicate. And if the spirit of the individual with which it is intended to communicate does not have an openness and a readiness to receive, then the communication that comes from God will not be accepted or acceptable. And because they won't be accepted or acceptable, there are people who will claim to be children of God, which in fact they're not because their heart has been maligned by the things that have more access to them and more acceptance than the Word of God. Now, let me show you, and this is interesting to me. Turn with me to the book of Luke, the 8th chapter, I want to show you just exactly what uh, Paul is writing about here because there's sometimes that people don't tie these two together and, you know, this is the reason we discuss and study. In Luke the 8th chapter, in the parable of the seed and the sower. Now, we're on the same subject. This is the seed, the Word of God, and the sower is the preacher or the messenger of God as a member of the body of Christ. But then there is a soil that we're going to be referring to, which we will speak about, then go back to 1 Corinthians 2, that a lot of people don't reckon. He says here in verse 13, They on the rock, or they, when they hear the word, receive the word with joy, but they have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. And they which fell amongst thorns are they which, when they had heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. Now, here's two kinds of soil that the seed fell amongst. They first, in verse 13, which heard, and there was no root. They might have believed for a little while, but in time of temptation fall away and sometimes they can't even define temptation but then verse 14 then they which are those who fell amongst the thorns are they which when they had heard go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and they bring no fruit to perfection now what has that to do with first corinthians 2 well let's we've got our job cut out for us let's study look at first corinthians 2 now and begin with uh Verse 12, now we've received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in words with man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God. For their foolishness unto them are him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things by the same standard by which he's judged, which is by the Spirit of God. Yet he himself is judged of no man. The natural and the spiritual man, the spirit and the soul. The message that God has given is a message that is spiritual. Of some, the receipt of this message is with joy. It lasts for a little while and it goes away. Of some, it comes in and it grows. But over the length of time and temptation, it changes its venue or its status or its purpose or direction. When that direction is changed, then the message of the Spirit cannot penetrate. And will not involve itself with those type of people. Now we're not talking to denominationalism. We're talking to the body of Christ. We're talking to people who are members who've been bought by the blood of Christ. For this is they to whom this book was written. Now God says in verse 12, We have received the spirit of Christ, not the spirit of the world. There's a lot of times that people don't know that they have received anything. Because if you received something, it is supposed to be something that changes you. And they see no change in themselves, they see no purpose of change in themselves. They are those who have a heart that is made up or molded or calloused by the world. And the things of the world. And because they are made up or calloused by the world or the things of this world, then the message of the Spirit does them no good. They could sit and hear Paul preach or hear Jesus teach. And the message would come through the ears and go into the cavity called the brain And get into the parts of the anatomy called the human body. But it doesn't get to that part of the spirit that's in that human body. It's calloused. It's covered up. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians. The uh, fourth chapter. And you can see that Paul talks about these people in Ephesians 4 and 19 are existent. If you'll flip there with me quickly, it says who being past feeling. Now, folks, when you get past feeling, there's a reason. So when you get past, now this is not that feeling better felt than told. This not that little bubble that floats in your chest that lets you know God's there. This is the person who the word of god cannot penetrate the message just can't get in now it got in the ears it might get on the lips it might get on the action of some things that are done but it can't get in the heart the spiritual heart of man why They are calloused over because they didn't receive and saw no change. And there was no direction that they took that has been altered. They still feel the same way, still look at things the same way, still have the same standard of uh, direction and things by which to go by. But they're alienated. You see that? They're past feeling and have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness but he said you've not so learned christ that's not the way god is turn with me to the book of ephesians the fourth chapter paul writing to the church of christ at rome i mean hebrews the, the jewish brethren who had decided that the gospel of christ wasn't good enough for them they had to have more he writes these words the first two verses of hebrews 4 let us therefore fear lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But now listen. The word preached did not profit them. Not being mixed with faith and them that heard it. Now you see, if the word does not profit you, Paul calls this person a natural man. And we can judge ourselves by the message, whether received or whether rejected. Whether it changes the direction whether we're callous to it because we are involved in everything else but the gospel of Christ, and whether or not we ever felt it at all. Ah, there are people that I've seen that heard the word of God who were broken up and came to tears, and they were so remorse in their direction that life had taken, that they had involved themselves in. And then there's some people that you can't tell because they act dead when they came to Christ and stayed acting that way after they're in Christ. And having preached the gospel for over 50 years almost, you get to see a lot of people in a lot of pictures as the scriptures describe them to try to figure out how to help, if it's possible, any or all who have the opportunity to study with you. We know who wrote the book, and it wasn't the devil. We know that everything that the devil is for, this book condemns. It condemns everything that the devil stands for. Yet, when this book does not give us direction, and we received it, but it hasn't changed us, because we are calloused and go to do what we want to do anyway, we are past feeling, and the God of heaven can't even being God penetrate and get into our heart or our spiritual soul. What does it profit us? Is the Bible by natural inspiration? like Shakespeare or Tennyson, or is it just human genius? There's a people that have a a faith that they call, which is natural faith. That is a faith that comes when a person is born, comes into this world, has a direction because of the conscience, that comes because of nature. It's just built-in equipment that God gives us in this body that we are part of that allow us to have some kind of direction or a feeling toward God. But then there are some people who have degenerated that natural affection away to where whatever the direction of the Spirit of God gives They reject. Now, we're not talking about people who are not in Christ because the passage here says we have received the things of the Spirit and the blessings of the Spirit. I guess I should stop and tell you that a way that the person receives the Spirit of God is to repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. That's no secret. Acts 2, verse 37 and 38. They tried to Peter and arrest the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We have some of our brethren that think the gift of the Holy Spirit is the written word. And that's all. And that if all you have is the written word, we don't then have the work of the Spirit, which will aid us to give us strength and encouragement to make it home safely To heaven. But the Bible doesn't teach that kind of nonsense. There is the direction that comes about by the Spirit who lives and works in and becomes the controlling effect of our hearts and lives if we let Him in. But Paul is talking about the people who had all these, received all this, was blessed by it but stiff-armed him, kept him on the outside. And the gospel that was preached to them did not profit them. Is the Bible just a literary hoax in a realm of religion? Or is it just some manual or prayer book? Or it's just what our little faith believes? You'd be surprised that some members of the body of Christ look at the Bible with such disrespect that they think this is just the way we look at things instead of this is what God has given and commanded. They never understand the wheres or the whys and they're not concerned about understanding because after all, they received it, they don't feel any different than they did to start with. They've calloused themselves to the message of it because they've kept the Spirit of God out of their heart and out of their life. And so when the gospel is preached, there's no feeling with them. There's no tugging at the spiritual heart. There's no anguish of introspection or development that will cause them to try to measure up. They're already there. They think they've already achieved. And there's nothing for them to do but to sit around for the ride. They're past feeling. The message of God has not been able to penetrate. They have such an iron will. They have such a determination for damnation. Even the message of God cannot get inside. And because it can't get inside, Brother Paul calls them the natural man. Now, I know that there's a time for emotion in everything. But I also know that God is an emotional being. If for nothing else, he loved. Now, I don't know what you think, not... uh, Discerning of your heart, but you can't love unless there's emotion. When that emotion is cut off and doesn't change direction, when that emotion is not received, there's no reason for changes to be made. When the heart is so calloused that the only thing that is thought or concerned with are the worlds or the things of the world. It can't be God that's there because God is not the world. As man looks at things on the natural scene or in the physical realm, God is love. And when God is love, those that love God have to love. And when you love, there's got to be an emotion that's involved. There's got to be a feeling that's rendered there's got to be an introspection and a correction that takes place because god demands for we who love him to love him because he first loved us then you go back to the story of the parable that jesus gave of the seed and the sower tells the same story The seed was first sown on the hard ground, not a bit of good. But then it got to this ground that it quickly grew up and withered away. Then it got to this ground that it received all the nourishment and the strength. And after a while, it went back to the ways that it was in. Because the message of God did not get through. If the message of God doesn't get through... How does the scriptures describe you? Now ready? I've introduced this. Now let's talk about it. 1 Corinthians 2. And look at verse 13. Which things also we speak. Not in words which man's wisdom teacheth. But which the Holy Ghost teacheth. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Well what if there's no spirituality with which to compare? What if there is no purpose to receive comparison? What if there's never any tugging or any emotional status that is involved or any uh, um, in internal investigation of the mind which causes a person to bring themselves into the presence of God? You have your Bible, turn right quickly to 2 Corinthians, the third chapter. And you'll see that the Apostle Paul makes this statement that we really ought to look at very closely and pay a lot of attention to it. We look into the Word of God. When we look into the open Word of God, we behold. Look at 2 Corinthians 3, uh, 18. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed. Changed. You see what I'm trying to show you, my friend. The spiritual person changes. The non-spiritual one doesn't. The spiritual man changes his direction. He's got a different reason for living. He's got a different purpose for a life. He doesn't have a, the same meaning to it as it had before. He looks into the word of God and he has to change because of the direction that it demands. When he changes, he changes it because there is comparison of spiritual things in his spiritual heart or mind. But verse 14 said, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. You can be your own worst enemy. You can be the one who damns yourself. All what can separate us from the love of God. Remember those passages? Neither height nor depth. Let's turn over to the book of Romans, the 8th chapter. If you've not read it, we'll read it right quickly because this is very interesting. Who's going to separate us from the love of God? Romans eight thirty five. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword... As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. No, that won't separate us from the love of God. No, nay. In all these things we're more than conquerors. We're just accounted sheep to the slaughter. We're more than conquerors. Watch this. Through him who loved us. Now when somebody... Loves, it's natural to respond to that love. When there is no response to that love, then no change is made. There's no direction that's altered. They've not received the message, therefore, there's no correction necessary. They're like the plant. That Jesus described in the parable of the seed and the sower. For a little while, they changed some things. But finally, that which they changed went back to square one because they didn't alter the way they thought or lived. Unaided men would not if they could. But now here's the sad part. Could not, if they would, be considered spiritual men. Our women, we're not just distinguishing the men. Before the apostles wrote, the Spirit of God had been given a message of Christ. This message was the message that he was to bring, that he was to inspire that he was to relate to the world. This message was unaided by man. And those who received the word of God received it gladly. Or did you miss that? Look at Acts 2 and 42. Then they that gladly received his word, were baptized. What about the person who is not glad? What about the person who has no way to cause himself to get this callous or herself? I got to go to her and him. Off the heart. Why? Well, we don't always understand why. But Paul says because of the world. And the things of the world. You see, they think by being baptized into Christ that this would automatically change the direction of the heart. But the direction of the heart is something that is set to change when you become a member of the family of God. And if I don't always see myself as a, what we call today, changeling If I always don't see myself in a progress of beginning better, more like Christ, more with the mind of Christ. Then I am a person who is considered by the God of heaven a natural man. Whose words will profit me nothing. Who is past feeling that the message cannot penetrate because I'm only concerned about the things of the world not the things of God because the message that I have heard preached I didn't receive it because I didn't think there was anything that I was doing wrong to start with I was talking to some people one time and they were taught the plan of salvation And so as they were taught the plan of salvation, we got to talking about their children, 12 to 15 or 16 years of age. And the woman looked at me and she said, well, all they need to do is be baptized. There's nothing else wrong with them, is there? There's a lot of people that think when they run into the gospel of Christ that all they need is just to be baptized. Man, they got everything else worked out. They're in control. They run the joint. They're the ones that decide. And they can't see that they're doing anything wrong. Why? Because they never saw that they had to make any change to start with. Now, when you have this kind of an attitude and this kind of direction, and the Bible calls you a natural man, it also gives you an indictment that is scary if you'd listen that the things of god cannot affect a natural man so the thing i have to determine or I have to decide as i have to judge not by me not by the fact that i thought i was perfect already you know one of the examples that i give a lot of times of this is where jesus met the rich young ruler Rich young ruler came up to Jesus and he said, Lord, I'm good. ain't not pat me on the back. Well, the Bible says God looked at him and he loved him. That always impressed me to no end. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Well, look, man, when you've done uh, most of the things that you can do to serve God, then God is going to love because there's a whole lot of him in there for, to be loved. But Jesus said, yet there's one thing you lack. And this man had the spiritual grace to respond by a question that many times the natural man will not even consider. What lack I yet? The person who lacks nothing. The person who has no interest in trying to learn more. The person who doesn't want to take the Word of God and hide it in his heart so that he might not sin against God. The person who comes to a place where all of these things, and I can go through them again, the Word of God is not profitable to him, it's not penetrated. When you preach the gospel of Christ and the spirit of God attends that message and the message of the attended message does not penetrate your heart, does not involve you emotionally, does not involve you to consider that you need to correct or make changes in your life. You know what we call people like that? Dead people. I can take you to a mortuary and I can show you people that know medicine profits. The blood's quit flowing, so there's no way to penetrate. Oh, yeah, they're past feeling. The things of this world are the only things that's there left. Spirit's gone. No, don't worry about change our reception or direction. There are people that the Bible describes as dead while they live, we can't afford to misunderstand the purpose of the study of the Word of God, to have our hearts and our souls involved in the teaching and the instruction. To sit back and read your phone or listen to messages or, or to bother the kids or, or do anything else. So there's no way that the message can get into that heart. Or to think that they're already perfect. And how do you improve on perfection? Because what this does is destroy the message that the Spirit of God attends as it is preached. On the day of Pentecost, they received the word with gladness. Have you and are you receiving the message of God today with thankfulness in your heart? Do you realize and understand that there is a possibility of being rejected by the Spirit Of God, whom you are supposed to have received? And do you know that if you reject this spirit, he'll leave? Turn to the book of Ephesians, the fourth chapter again. I read it for you. Somebody says, well, I didn't know I had the spirit, so I wasn't worried about him leaving. Yeah, I think that's true in a lot of senses, too. He says, he goes through a long litany of things not to do, but in verse 30 of chapter 4, Paul writes, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Now we grieve him, and he leaves. And when he leaves, you have him no longer yet to grieve when the penetrating power of the message of the God of heaven, when preached as the Spirit of God attends that message, is not writing the very words of God on your spiritual heart. When there's no thought or question planted in your head that causes you to produce a change, When the thoughts and the ideas that you have are yours alone and not they which are a part of the word of God, when your goals and dreams and aspirations are what you intended and are going to demand and there's nothing can change. I guess perfection has already been arrived to and there's no reason for anybody to worry about it. And so you see that the word of God will do you no good. We have to guard and we have to make sure that as we study the message of the word of God that we don't have ourselves defined as a natural man whom the things of the spirit cannot aid or help. Let me read this to you again. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they're foolishness unto him. Imagine some human thinking God foolish. Neither can he know them. That doesn't mean neither can he not read the words. Neither can he not understand the words that are written. It just means that these things can't penetrate his spiritual being. He's got them blocked, she. She's got them off the other end of the spectrum. She won't let God in. She can't afford to. If she lets God in, she may not get her way. And if she can't get her way, she can't live. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. And he that is spiritual, though, judgeth all things. Yet he himself is judged of no man. The person who is spiritual, the person who is judged by the word of God, the person who has determination to do what God has commanded, that person is the one that the word of God will alter and change. That person is the one that the God of heaven can aid and strengthen, that person, the Spirit of God, can aid you till you get home in eternal life. And that's the kind of person that you and I need to be. The natural man, the Word of God does no good to. I've seen people read the Scriptures, and they look at it, and they'll say, So, I've watched people in the pews hear a message of the Word of God And you know that it's got to affect them. And they walk out and they'll say, So? The heart of the recipient is the spirit of the body. It's that life-giving strength that God has implanted within us that came from Christ. That heart, the spirit, intends to change, to alter, to lead and direct And you must allow that direction or Paul calls you a natural man or woman. And the natural man or woman will never receive the things of the Spirit. Maybe this doesn't cause you to think. Maybe this doesn't cause you to walk circumspectly trying to redeem the time. Maybe this doesn't cause you to look inwardly as God has commanded, then this message has no value to you because it's not a message for the natural man. It's not, Lord, I'm so good, you can't help me. Well, I, All I needed to do was be baptized. I mean, I had the rest of it already down. I mean, I didn't do this. didn't I, I was good. God, I'm so good, I, can't, I just can't stand how good I am. And since I'm that good, there ain't nothing else afterward I need to change. I don't need to worry about my direction or my life or what I'm doing or how I live. And because of that, you get into being what the Bible calls a man who will not judge himself or a woman. I keep trying to get it back to the woman. See, Paul's the one messed me up. He says he. You get it back to the he or the she that will not allow the Spirit of God to judge them. If you're here and need to respond to the invitation, if you're a member of the body of Christ and need to be restored, or if you're not and need to be baptized into Christ for the remission of sins, sure, you've got to do that first. You've got to become before you can be. If you don't become a child of God, you'll never be one. But then as you become, you must be what you have become. And let the Lord direct you as you read and study and hear and speak and preach and pray and discern the things of the Spirit of God. Will you come as we stand and sing?
1: We hope you have profited from today's study of the mind of God. If you would like a tape of today's program, write to the Port St. Lucie Church of Christ, 384 East Midway Road, White City, Florida. 34982. Remember, never take man's word, only God's word. The Bible, demanding a book, chapter, and verse for everything you accept as belief. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of In Search of the Mind of God with Minister Joe Wilson.
2: I have often been asked religious questions concerning the scriptures. I have no interest in social events of the day since these events will never change the outcome of your soul or mine. So we add to our efforts to preach the gospel of Christ and teach Christ and him crucified to allow us to search the mind of God, to know what the scriptures teach. We'll never attempt to be coy or mean-spirited But straightforward and truthful, citing a book, chapter, and verse, or Thus saith the Lord, not opinions. We will not tell you what some Bible college or tradition or seminary has taught, not that even of our parents. We'll not try to give you a personal witness or revelation, because these never answer questions about the Bible. The only satisfying answer concerning the scriptures is the word of God. These answers that we will be doing weekly will appear on our Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, WordPress, and iTunes podcast. Hoping that this will help you gain more knowledge of the scriptures, we'll state the question and then the Bible answer. The question of the day is, just what day was it? That Jesus was born. There's a lot of times people ask this question sincerely thinking that Jesus was born December the 25th. Not thinking that the Bible might have a declarative time when the Lord was born. They just assume that somebody's told them right. And that Santa Claus and Christmas and all the events concerning the lights and the candles around December the 25th are things that herald the coming of the Lord. Some of our brethren have even decided that, uh, you know, Christmas is not that bad because it causes people to think a little more highly of the Lord than they do any other time of the year, thinking that when there is not too much evil, good may come. When the Apostle Paul structures this in the word of God saying, we can do no evil that good may come. So when was it that Jesus was born? Well, in the book of Luke, the second chapter, you've probably been able to quote this from a child if you were raised when they allowed the Bible to be read in the schools and when they would put on what they called Christmas plays, that there was in the same country shepherds abiding in the field Keeping watch over their flock by night. You may not have known it, but this period of time that is being discussed here was a great time of monetary ingathering for the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Sanhedrin. This was a period of time when they actually hired shepherds and got a many a sheep to be in the fields, to be gathered so that when the time came for the Passover sacrifice or something like that, they'd have plenty of sheep available so people could buy. At this period of time, there's something stated that tells us something about the time period in which Jesus was born of the year. The shepherds were in their fields watching their flock, by night. I don't know if you've ever gone hunting at night. I don't know if you've ever been in an area where it's cold and the weather's inclement. But if you know about the temperature range in the area called Judea, in the city of Jerusalem, in December of the year, you'll know that this is not a time when anybody would have any sheep in the fields nor would there be any shepherds watching them, and particularly at night. History tells us that the shepherds in the area around Judea and Jerusalem took their sheep in around the first to the middle of October because of the cold, inclement weather. Snowing, sleet, temperatures in the zeros are lower, were something that is common in that period of time around December the 25th. So this would not be a time when the Lord would bring Jesus into this world through Mary. This would not be something that would be consistent with logic. I had a man ask me the other day, you don't believe that Jesus was born on December the 25th? I said emphatically not. He said, well, tell me, when do you think he was born? Well, I said it's probably around sometime in the first week of June. Now, it's consistent with history, logic, and comprehension that Jesus would have been born when the weather was warm, when the temperature at night would be accommodative to shepherds staying in the field, when they wouldn't have to huddle around a bunch of sheep and almost freeze to death. That would be something consistent with logic, but thinking that Jesus was born when it was zero or 15 degrees or five below zero is illogical and inconsistent. You say, well, then why December the 25th? Well, if you will study the birth dates of the Roman gods, you will find that their birth date had one common day and that was December the 25th. This has been incorporated in Christianity as a day in which our Lord was born. And, of course, I've tried to show you by logic, by reason, and by history that this is just not true. So for somebody to try to keep Christ in Christmas is interesting Since he was never there to start with, how can you keep him in what he's never been in? So Christmas is not a period of time to discuss the birthday of Christ. Then also, the word Christmas is a word that has composed of two words, Christ mass. Now if you don't know what a mass is, and if you don't know how Christ would be connected with a mass, you might need to understand that the word mass is a re-crucifixion. This is when people believe and teach that Christ is re-crucified, actually put back on the cross and killed again. You wouldn't think that people who love the Lord would be real interested in glorifying the fact that Christ had to die every year, particularly when you read the scriptures And you found out that the Apostle Paul wrote in the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter and the 12th, and he makes mention that our Lord only died once from the foundations of the world. This once is the little Greek word which means once and forevermore, never to be repeated. So he died once in the beginning, or from the day of the foundations of the world, And will never die again. So anybody that's trying to have Jesus re-crucified. Either don't believe what the Bible teaches. Or have never read this. And that to their shame. Because they're around teaching other people. That he has to be crucified again every year. Now we're not trying to be mean spirited. We're not trying to be caustic. This is just what the word of God teaches. There is no Christ mass, and since there is no time that Jesus is crucified again, neither will there be an opportunity for us to involve ourselves in some kind of mass. The scriptures read this way. As it has been appointed, Hebrews nine twenty seven unto man to die, and after this the judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look unto him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. There is no Christ mass yearly. Jesus was not born in the coldness of December. God did not send his son into a stall with animals without clothing or preparation and allow him to freeze to death before he could ever get of any age. Thank you.
0: If you enjoyed today's sermon, read our regularly updated blog for insightful articles by visiting us online at pslchurchofchrist.com. If you would like to watch previous sermons, they can be viewed on our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash PSL Church of Christ. Connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash PSL Church Or, if you prefer to visit us in person, To learn more on Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. as well as Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. And you can visit us at 384 East Midway Road next to Walgreens. See you next week.